We turned the music on and I started to rap and within about 20, 30 seconds, two lads at the back jumped up, one high-fived the other one, turned around, one started breakdancing at the back. This other guy comes running down the gymnasium towards me at the front and I think he's going to jaw me, like smack me on the way past. <laughs> he goes past me and he does a backflip off the wall. And at that point, the whole place, it was like a bomber gone off. Welcome everybody, this is Simon Gilbo with Inspired and I've got another great guest this week. Welcome to Linz West. Woohoo! How are we, mate? Yeah, great to have you. So for a bit of context, um, well, Linz and I both, well, you come from Maidenhead, you would say. I lived in Maidenhead for just a, a few years of my childhood. Uh, I lived with Linz's brother, Dan, for a bit in the East End of London. Yeah. Um, I think we first met Linz um, way back, I was guessing 20 years, right at the start, the message, you, you were in the tribe at the time. That makes sense? Right. What years were yeah. you there? The uh, so I started the tribe. I, st I joined the tribe in 1999, and right. we stopped in 2004. So what was that? Five years. Yeah. So I reckon it was probably 2001 when I first came out and spoke to the Message Gang, doing stunning yeah. stuff, and then a few proximity conferences. In fact, I'll be back up there. Uh, proximity. You, I think you've got a conference in uh, in May in Manchester. So I look forward to that. Uh, can right. I just say that uh, I've got? I know one guy listening is particularly excited, and that is my nephew William because he loves he, you are his fan you're up on his wall he's got he's got he knows all the lyrics to all your songs be it come on with you that's, that's amazing love. mate yeah give him a shout out amazing Good grace lad. um Good my lad. favorite song of yours is um well it's with the band with no name you did it together that the four points not in, in small part because of our mutual brilliant mate um dave sharples um yeah. but what's good a little story on that i was talking to his mum, my sister katie uh, just an hour ago and she said that that four points he's got he's got a t-shirt of it and, and from the song and he's been able to share his faith in school which is beautiful yeah amazing that's what it's all about isn't it yeah so anyway so th that's a bit of context um i don't know much about your childhood so you know just, how did you come to jesus i, I know your you, your parents are pretty full-on passionate disciples aren't they but did it come quickly to you yeah i mean so i was a week old and my dad took a job with the billy graham organization mm -hmm. and we moved from from maidenhead to brussels and he was a, a festival director for him um, he's an ex-policeman. Um, my mum's an ex-social worker, um, but but full-on Christians. And they, they, you know, they had an interesting story about how they they got saved as well. But mm -hmm. they both wanted to do something like mega different with their lives for Jesus. So they so they joined the Billy Graham stuff, moved out to Brussels, real faith step. So first two years of my life, I was I was in the back of a bus in a in a in a carry following mm -hmm. Billy Graham around all of these ma massive cities in in Europe and doing all these festivals and obviously witnessing it from a from a really young age, but. Yeah. I was about eight years of age and I used to go to a church called River Church um, in Maidenhead. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, I'm still, I'm still a member, as in I'm sent out from, from River Church in Maidenhead to do what I do now, which is incredible, like such a good church. Yeah. Um, and um, they had a guy called Ishmael come down. And mm -hmm. Ishmael was this like crazy um, Bible singing, mad fun kind of guy that used to get up at, at festivals and, and, and he did a gig at our church. And I remember being about eight years of age and he did this song and it said, uh, how did it go? It's he Hebrews 11, it goes, Hebrews 11 verse six, without faith it's impossible to please God. And I just remembered it, like yeah. it, it rang around my head. And he did this article response and, and I found myself down the front, probably about eight. And I, I, I can't, I knew God and I understood it, but I'd never actually made that choice myself. So I remember that. But then I also remember um, River Church hosting a team called the Power Team, which were bodybuilders. Yes, who I used to that. smash through ice blocks and like blow up water bottles. And this was really my kind of thing when I was 15 I did a sports science degree mm -hmm. because I was really into my fitness and football and, and these guys were just like 
absolute diamonds to me. And this guy got up and he and he said, uh, "Oh, you know, you've seen the film Karate Kid." And I said, "Yeah." And he said, uh, "Well, I, I was nicknamed the Karate Kid because forty blokes jumped me once and I put all of them in hospital." And I was yeah. like, "What?" And he told yeah. me this story. And then he stuck his head through a block of ice. Then he blew up a water balloon and he just said, Jesus can set you free. The truth sets you free. And that was me down the front again at like 15 responding. But like I said, I was, I was really into my sport and I took a, a degree in, um, in Cardiff in uh, sports science. And, um, and I managed to get myself a, a kind of transfer basketball scholarship over to the States with um, Illinois State University. So I found mm-hmm. myself in year two going over to America for two years to study. And I was on this uh, kind of trajectory, lifestyle, party boy, enjoying life, enjoying university. That was my kind of like thing. And it wasn't like I wasn't a Christian. You know, if, if someone had said, um, you know, or we talked about stuff in, you know, late at night, I would have had this debate saying, yeah, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus and all this stuff. But but I guess my lifestyle wasn't really matching up. But I was just having a lot of fun, really. And I found myself in America and we went on a thing called spring break, which is where all the students go down to like the hot climates. And we drove from Chicago all the way down to Panama City Beach, and, um, and I'm sat on the beach and we'd sunk a, a keg of beer into the stand to keep it cold. And we were tapping off this keg sitting there. And I'd taken myself to Campus Crusade. Mm-hmm. And there was this girl called Amber there. And she was saying, oh, I'm going on this beach mission. And I was like, oh, where are you going? She said, Panama City Beach. And I was like, oh, and I kept it quiet because I was like, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going. I don't want to go. Like, I don't want to be involved. <laughs> and, and in the distance, I could see this figure walking towards me. And I'm like, oh, no, it's Amber. So I tried to hide under my cap. And she comes walking up to my, my sunbed where I'm sat. And she said, Lynn, are you going to come to the mission? I was like, no, no, Amber, listen, it's not my thing. She goes, oh, come on, there's a band playing tonight. And I literally looked and I went, Amber, I fully get it. I know what you're trying to do. I, I fully understand. I know someone's going to go up and they're going to preach the gospel. And, and it, you know, I'm just, I'm just not in that space now. And she goes, right, sober up, meet me at 6 p.m. I'm picking you up out the front of the hotel. And I was like, so she'd almost told me. So she was so firm. So she went down to the, I went down to the front of the hotel and uh, up she pulls and we, we go off to this, to this, um, to this festival. And it was in a place called Pensacola. And at the time I didn't realize this Pensacola revival thing was going on. I had mm-hmm. no idea. And um, this band got up and played and this guy comes out and they start singing this song and I'm stood and I'm like, Oh, this is pretty good. This is actually decent. So I kind of got lost in it cause I was really into the music. I was really into music. And, um, and, and then the front man of the band um, preached the gospel and I found myself responding again. Now, little did I know that this band was called the Newsboys. And six months before I'd come to America, my mum, in her nice kind of mumsy way attempt of me listening to some Christian music, gave me a Newsboys CD and a DC Talk CD. I threw them both out of the window on the M4 <laughs> because I was like, I'm just not having this, right? And I'm, I'm, you're, not trying to, you're not trying to guilt me into, into yeah. becoming a Christian mum. Anyway, I see the Newsboys. I come back and there's this this little journey. I come back from America and I, I sit upstairs in my in my room and I look at the end of my CD collection as, I, as I'm just about to load something up. And lo and behold, there's a Newsboys CD sat there that's got a little thing in it written from mum. And, and, and I was like, what? What is going on? But I, I just knew that God had my number. And, you know, it was it kind of like seeking after me. And for me, it was music and it was sport and it was anything related to that stuff. So I stuck the CD and listened to it. And I thought, well, I'm going to take myself back to church. So... I'm at university and, uh, and I took myself back to church for that time. And I'd got myself in trouble and I thought I was going to lose a, my scholarship to the States at the time because I was going to go back. And, and I, was, I, was, I was just in, a, in, a, in, a, in the wrong place. And this was the right time for me to reach out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then um, that summer, I saw a band called the Worldwide Message Tribe. 
And one of them, one of the guys got up and shared his faith, and and I find myself down the front. You know, Andy Hawthorne was rapping, and then this guy came out and started spinning on his head, and I was like, "Whoa, this is insane!" Shared his testimony, and I just come back from Magaluf on a big holiday, mm. and he said, oh, "I've been in Ibiza, and you know, I had this drug deal go wrong, and I ended up in a pool tied to a chair, and I prayed." And I, then two seconds later, I'm outside of the pool, dripping but still tied to the chair, and something had got me out, and I, and I just took myself to church, and I'm sat there going. I just took myself to church. I've just come back from Magalit and what? So I, you know, I responded in a similar way that a lot of young people do when, when LZ7 plays now. So I took myself back to church in that year, uh, running up to, to the next year's Soul Survivor. And, you know, lo and behold, I go back and the tribe announces that they're auditioning for new members. And my brother, Dan, the one that you know, elbows me and he goes, you, you should do that. And I'm like, bruv, have you been to Man? Have you seen how far north Manchester is? That's like a mountain <laughs> territory. Like, that's miles away. And he's like, oh, go on, go on, have a go. Because so he, he, you know, I, I love rapping and DJing yeah. and all that stuff. So I got up and I just went, look, God, you know, I've never been to Manchester. Um, if this door's supposed to open, I'll walk through it. And if it's not, just slam it shut. And five days later, I get, a, a, you know, a message from Andy saying, move up. And a day later, I moved up to Manchester to, Eden, to one of the Eden projects in Withenshaw. So I moved from Windsor Maidenhead to from the poshest part of the country to the poorest yeah. part of the country. Yeah. And I just fell in love with it. And I lived there seven years. And that's been all part of my kind of, I guess, my, my faith journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there's so many people that will go, oh, yeah, I remember this one moment where I became a Christian. I probably had about 1,500 of those moments. And and I still, I still, you know, Jesus' mercy is on you every morning. And yeah. I wake up in the morning, give my life back to Jesus. And there are distinct times where I remember, like I just, like I just said, but those, those moments were the ones that stuck out to me of of, uh, of getting to know Jesus, and then you know joining the tribe was a big part of my faith journey as well. So it's all been part of that journey, I guess. Yeah, we had Andy on uh, a few months ago, and uh, I mean, he was hilarious saying that. I mean, because he wasn't trained as a rapper, was he? But he just he, he said he just got up there, and, and millions of people responding. I don't know whether anyone's actually trained as a rapper, and I, and I definitely don't think that Andy Hawthorne was trained yeah. as a rapper. Like, it's funny, It'd I can't the last person to say that. Um, so, I mean, the, the, your time with the tribe. I mean, the tribe did wild things, didn't they? Give us a few sort of vignettes of that time. Yeah, I mean, we focused on inner city Manchester and I was living in the Eden Project in Withenshaw. And, um, you know, it. I remember my first encounter was I walked it, I, I turned up and I had my car and all my gear in it. And I, I walked into my into my um, doorway and there's a little five-year-old just having a poo on my doorstep. And I'm like, what? Does this happen? Like, is, this, yeah. is this England? Not made and I stepped over and I said, you right, mate? And he goes, you're right, you're right. My name's John. And I was like, all right, John, I'm Lindsay. It's nice to meet you. Anyway, me and John, he's five. Me and John become best mates. And um, his whole family are um, one of the toughest families in Withenshaw. They all start coming to church. They all get saved. They radically like tra- transform for Jesus. And wow. they're still now, you know, a, a part of some of the stuff that the message does in and around Manchester. Um, but we did 32 weeks a year, I think we did in schools. Wow. And then we had we had a monthly event at the, at the Manchester Pie called Planet Life, which we would siphon all of these young people, all these new Christians to this monthly event. And that to them would, would essentially be church, mm-hmm. asking all the youth leaders to down tools and bring all their kids. But then all the schools would then be bussed in. And I just remember the maddest moments where you would have like, I don't know, a thousand church kids and then 1,500 like non-church kids and they were running them up, like, like kicking off everywhere, left, right, center. But then when you got to the gospel, you'd see like thousands of young people come to know Jesus. And it, and it had a real impact. And even now... I walk through town because I work in the centre of the town now, and I walk through town, and a barman will go, "Are you, are you that guy from the tribe?" 
oh my gosh, he, he changed my, no, that changed my life. And I'm like, no way. How do you remember that? And he goes, oh, I used to come to Planet Life. That thing you used to do at the Apollo, that used to, that, that, that was the best thing I ever happened to me. It's the thing I used to look forward to. And all these stories and testimonies and, and follow-ups that you can pick up on. It's just, yeah, it's incredible. Um, and obviously the message has, has grown into a, to an absolute machine where they're doing these community, community groceries and, that's all off the DNA and the heart of reaching the hardest to reach young people in inner city Manchester. And it's just, I think it's incredible. Mm, yeah. So out of that, or that just wound up naturally, did it? And then you started LZ7? Yeah. So um, the tribe finished in 2004. And um, I, was, I remember being sat in the Manchester Apollo in the crowd pit watching the final video. And there was a hat spinning on the stand. And the final slide that came up on the, on the big screen was to be continued. Mm -hmm. I kind of sat there silent and I was like, to be continued, to be continued. And I went, I'm making the wrong move here. I am making, because I was going to join the band with no name. Funny you said you like the, that Will likes the band with no name, your, your nephew. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I was just about to join the band with no name. And then I just thought, actually, I've been sent from Maidenhead, which is the River Church Connection, to Manchester as a missionary. I might be making the wrong choice here. And, I, and it's the first time I've really felt like the audible voice of God just going, you're doing the wrong thing. Now, that wasn't because Baron Lane was wrong. That's because Baron Lane was on a, a different trajectory doing, you know, mainstream stuff. But I wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. So I ran back to Andy and I was like, mate, mate, uh, um, I, think, I think the message stays the same, but the method will change. Like the method of Jesus, we need to do something different, something different. And he's like, what, what? And I was like, so I started chucking loads of ideas. Like imagine if we did like up-tempo dance music, mixed it with a bit of mainstream stuff, chucked it in prisons, went to, and I went, I'd love to go into prison. So mm. two weeks later, we had no songs. We just had a, a system. You know, LZ7 was this baby thing, this little seedling thing. Me and a mate, and I'd, I'd got him up from um, from Guildford to DJ, and he eventually moved up to Manchester to join me to start the band. But we're, we're in Hindley young, young Offenders. There's like 400 Young Offenders in the room. And I just went on some, some, and I went green with fear. I was like, oh. this is going to bomb. This is going to be so bad. I know I look like Chef Ramsey's little brother. I'm just this white kid, party boy. What is going? What am I doing? What am I doing? And it was a real fear thing. It hit me. And I looked at my hands. They were like green. And I got out and we turned the music on. And I, start, I just started to rap and hype over the top of other people's beats. Mm -hmm. You know, just a DJ set and you start to scratch and stuff. And within 20 seconds, you know, these lads are proper screw face. That means they were just like staring at me like, yeah. what in the world is this? Within about 20, 30 seconds, two lads at the back jumped up, one high-fived the other one, turned around, one started breakdancing at the back. This other guy comes running down the gymnasium towards me at the front. And I think he's going to draw me, like smack me on the way past. <laughs> he goes past me and he does a backflip off the wall. And at that point, the whole place just, it was like a bomb had gone off. <laughs> everybody's up, everybody's climbing the gym apparatus, they're break dancing, they're jumping up and down, bouncing about, clapping. And I, and I, I, I literally, my mouth at the floor and the, 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 the guards are looking at me and I'm looking at them going, I think this is all right, I've got a mic, I think this is okay. Mm -hmm. So I got to the end of the set after an hour and chatted to the lads and the, the lads were like, what in the world was that? You know, we're, we're trapped for 23 hours of the day and you, you had us for an hour and you turned this into 12-year-old kids again. Yeah. And, and I, I was like, I, I don't know, man. Maybe it's that God thing. Maybe, you know, and that, that weekend, it was a Friday, that weekend on the Sunday, the chapel had never seen so many lads turn up for a, a prison alpha. Mm. And we kick-started a prison alpha, kick-started a whole thing called Reflex in Prisons. And we were the first act to really do it. And I was mega inspired by Johnny Cash, you know, when he did Walk the Line and, and, and um, the way that he spoke in, in prisons. And I was like, this could be, this could be really reaching the hardest to reach. Yes. And, um, and, and I saw the effect that music has. So 
when we when we first recorded our our single this little light of mine in 2010 that was kind of like the official launch of of what we do but we went back into schools so we'd been with the toughest the toughest hardest to reach and we'd seen so many amazing salvation stories mm-hmm. we then thought well let's let's go back into school and see if it works and little light started just just this viral thing where people were singing it and, and retweeting it and and just sending it everywhere to the point where a label came and said we need to launch this in the charts so we remixed it, we did it, we did a 50-day school tour, we sold out the Manchester Apollo, and it's it's one of the biggest events that the message had ever done. Mm-hmm. Sold out the Manchester Apollo, and at midnight that night, dropped the song into the UK Top 40, and it kept winning at number 26. Brilliant. And that was the start of where our trajectory is now in what we do with Light, which is our new, our new well, it's not a new organisation, with our organisation. Because I turned to Andy and I said, hey, bro, we should. We need to do record labels, and wh- how, how do we? How do we get into the mainstream, and how do we get onto everybody's little white earphones? How do we get the message right? The message of Jesus right to the forefront of this new wave of social media that's coming around the corner of Spotify and Apple Music, and and he was like, "Bro, I'm building the MEC. I'm building this stuff in, in, in groceries and all this kind of stuff." He said, I, I, "Let's set you up as an independent, right. and you still be an associate of the message." So I was like, "Right, we're going to call it like." And I went out and I found the best people to be the board of trustees and the best thing. And I was like, let's get on it. Let's get on the road, make a label and do exactly what a mainstream label would do with their artist. Learn all the communication, learn all the ways to do it, learn all the strategies, but keep the gospel, the absolute center of it. So like it, it launched in 2011 and we've just had our 10th anniversary, 10th birthday. We've been going 10 years and, um, and it is, it's simply taking the life changing message of Jesus to young people through music with the same DNA as what we did in the message, but on a much bigger, broader, wider scale, mm-hmm. where we're, we, we, you know, in the last year, 2018 to now, we've been in front of 1.4 million young people. We've had in the last six months, 30,000 people go through our discipleship resources just from schools. Um, I mean, it's just, it's really taken off. And, and it's, it's literally creating the biggest platform in the mainstream to reach the hardest to reach in all walks of their life, not just face-to-face, you know, Spotify, let's have a Spotify campaign where the song ends up on all their playlists so they mm-hmm. hear it. And then they, they transition to, oh, what, what, what do these guys do? You just look us up once and you'll find our discipleship resource, you'll find Youth Alpha, you'll find uh, the AAA Pass and local church contacts and, and everything that we do. And it just, it was birthed out of that same DNA, the message in in um, in their their steadfast kind of going after the hardest to reach in inner city Manchester. And we do that in cities all across the world now. And it's just, it's incredible where it's come from and, and the impact it has now that God, that, that God uses. But it's funny, it's, he's using a, a silly boy like me that made many mistakes in my life and, and then just, um, just wanted to, to reach the, the Lynn's, the, the, you know, the kids that are like me, the, the party boys and the, the ones that are making silly mistakes or the ones that are on the edge or, you know, and now we find ourselves, you know, we'll do one lesson or one assembly and kids will hand in self-harm blades and yeah. they hand in suicide notes and they hand in, uh, we, we might do an amnesty at the end where we say, look, if you've been going through this, hand your, su- your, your self-harm blade in at the end of the lesson, you get five or six young people, you know, independently come up and then we can, we can introduce them to pastoral care. Mm. We can put them onto one of our discipleship resources. And it's just the impact, the way that God uses it is just incredible. So it's Absolutely. been a journey, mate. Fabulous, buddy. Um, tell you what, what, what is your favourite song that you've done? And we'll play 30 seconds of it so that people can get a taste of, of the style. Uh, so there's one song that we, we brought out maybe two years ago, and it's called Greatest of All Time, Goat. And 
it's really hard. It's it's full on rap. It's full on shouty hypey, and there's a dance that goes with it. But when you watch a young person, after we've shared some stories in school and some inspiring stuff, and we do this whole community stand where the whole school will stand up to say, "I choose to become part of the change instead of part of the problem," you know, with a faith kind of based message. This we play this song and say, "Look, there's a guy in a Bible called David, and David." Um, beat this big giant and you know a lot of kids look at me blank because they've never heard the story of David and Goliath especially in UK schools now mm-hmm. and I get all animated you know they just the guy they picked up five stones took the, took the giant's head off and but why did there's only one giant why did he pick up five stones and I said because Goliath had four brothers so the secret to the story is that you you get armed and get ready for the next giant that's coming around the corner mm-hmm. and you pick up your, you pick up your stone you take a stand you take out one and then God gives you the ability to take out the next one so Get yourself ready. And that's what this song is all about. You can be the greatest of all time. And it goes off, Simon. Like kids love it. And it's it's one of them things that, that will switch a year 10 from, oh, this is all right, to, <laughs> oh, this is sick. <laughs> right. Well, let's have, let's have a, a quick clip of it now. Creme de la creme. Rise up fresh, put the pen to the test. It's Garvey DM. Did I mention again the G-O-A-T? beautiful well i'm not sure it's everyone's cup of tea is it everyone's cup of tea what do you think listener anyway fantastic it's obviously got the god's anointing on it and uh oh i just i'm i'm, I'm just loving listening to this uh Linz. uh so you've talked i mean is that what you've been sharing about the school's tour stuff that was illuminate was that was that yeah yeah so we do these. Uh, we 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 run a stage at the at Big Church out called the Illuminate Stage, which is like the B stage at Glastonbury. If you if you got the main stage, you got the B stage um, or stage one. So the Illuminate Stage, and it's it's the shop window to the work to the church world to say, hey, come with us on the journey. Mm-hmm. You know, get us in your schools. That in in the church world, there are governors, teachers, mums and dads, and kids that would love us to go into school. Well, this is the first part of the journey. So get us into school. So we. We, we set it up as, as a, an absolute party for the weekend to celebrate everything good that Jesus is doing and preach the gospel for there as well because a lot of young people bring their mates. But then we go out into the world and we replicate what we do at the Illuminate stage in nightclubs up and down the country. So we've partnered with the country's largest nightclub network to put on gigs at the end of the week in their nightclub. So if we go, to, if we go into a set of schools, so let's say, for example, Stoke-on-Trent, Mm-hmm. we had um, Fiction Nightclub and Fiction Nightclub is one of those really um, sticky floored proper <laughs> venues and we turned it into like an absolute banger of a venue by shipping a screen in and putting on lights anyway we did five schools five days and we ended up having to build a parent area at the back for 250 mums and dads <sighs> because you've obviously got parents that are concerned about kids going out and going to a gig and yada, yada. So we just built this area and we did the same in, 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 in Gravesend and Peterborough and you got all these parents coming out and coming up to me at the end, shaking my hand going, if I'd heard Jesus like that in a place like this, I'd be a Christian now. He goes, you transformed my kid's life, like shaking my hand. And I'm like, there's, there's something significant in that. So, so we try to put on, if we can, if we've got a venue in the town, we'll put on the gigs in the, in this club. And then we ask the local church, to down tools. So Friday night, they all come down, serve, pray, steward, yada, yada. And then they start a youth alpha in the club on the Sunday. And the club gives us them for free because they want to sew back into society. They want to yeah. give back to, to so, so street pastors are involved, the local schools are involved, the churches, the police, um, teachers. And, and we essentially plant a little church in the club on, on a Sunday. And so we had... 800 kids sell out that venue in Stoke-on-Trent Fiction 
And um, a lot of them came up and said, oh, it was so good that it was in a club. And if I'd heard it was in a church, I wouldn't have come. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's something significant about that as well. But Simon, we turned away 2,000 people. Wow. So we could have done a 3,000 seat venue in Stoke-on-Trent and sold it out and, and preached the gospel. We just didn't have the capacity for it. So when it when it motors, it's like God breathes on it in these, in these cities. And that's the Illuminate tour. And obviously, if we can't use a club, we'll go and use a, whatever venue we can find. It could be a leisure centre and we kiss it all out or whatever. But, you know, we're seeing a 90% response to the gospel. We're seeing over, you know, where in, in, in message days, we'll probably see two, 300 kids from one school turn up. We're now seeing 1,000 to 1,500 kids turn up from five schools. Fabulous. And it's just, it's, it's almost like God's, like, breathed on it and just gone that was the right thing to do so you know Andy's probably one of our biggest fans in in saying that it's it's one of the best things he's seen launch out of the message because it was the same DNA but it's just God's multiplied it in in such a big way and um so the Illuminate tour is then fronted by LZ7 we've got a new band called Saints that I've just started which funnily enough is Tim and Emma from the tribe's daughter Mm-hmm. So, and she's my goddaughter. So there's the same DNA there, like passing the baton on or legacy, whatever you want to call it. And um, and we tour around and we've got 40 lined up over the next three to four years um, in towns and cities up and down the UK, let alone any of the mainstream tours that we're pushing for and we've been on. So it's just, yeah, it's exciting, bro. It's, I mean, if, if anyone wants to out there and you, you, you like this, like pray for us because we, we are literally – There'll be kids that have never heard Jesus. They, they would never step into a church. And we get to go into arenas where there's 15, 20,000 people that would never go to a church, but they'll go into an arena to go and see Jason Derulo and we open for them and share the gospel. Mm. And it just it just works. So, yeah, it's good fun. The Illuminate Tour is, is, uh, is one of our precious little babies. It's, it's, um, we see lots of, um, lots of salvation. Fabulous. Uh, you mentioned Jason Derulo. So you, you toured with him on his uh, two-star yeah. world tour. Tell us a bit about that. It's an interesting, it's an interesting concept in that, you know, Jason Derulo, if you go and Google his videos, if you're watching that, you don't need to go and Google it because you, um, <laughs> you might wonder why we went on tour with him. But, you know, I fully believe Matthew, where it says go and make disciples of all nations. And mm-hmm. I remember on day one of the tour and I was, I was a bit, I was a tad nervous and I was thinking, you know, am I going to be all right sharing the gospel here? You know, am I going to get kicked off the tour? And I just thought I'm going to go and find the manager. So I walked up to him and I said, Hey bro, Hey, it's so nice to meet you. My name's Linz. I'm in LZ7. Oh, bro, what's going on, man? And I said, hey, listen, like we've done, we've done some big arenas, but we've not done 30 on the bounce. Like this is this is a new thing for us. And uh, and, and I said, there's a you know there's a faith element to us. And am I good to share my story? And he went, bro, this is your mic. That is your stage for that 35 minutes. You share what you want to share. Wow. Share your stories. Tell your tell your testimony. Whatever it is you want, because Jason's going to tell his, and the other guys will tell theirs. You do it, man. The mic is all yours. And that was it. Like to an evangelist, that was yeah. like the biggest bait I could ever buy in my life. And I just went, oh my gosh, I'm going for it. So I got up and I did this spoken word in between like two or three of the songs that was talking about fighting for peace, talking about who the biggest peacemaker was. And then it went into the gospel. And if you want to respond, put your peace sign in the air. Yeah. We were seeing thousands of people putting their peace signs up oh, and then thousands of people going through discipleship resources who... And it hit me like a wave, Simon. When I got up on the stage, I was I, in the first arena in Dublin. And I was like, there is 17,000 people in here. And I guarantee there's probably 1% of you stepped into a church building or, or been near a Christian. This is our responsibility. This is what we've got to do. And, and we went for it. And we were getting standing ovations at the end. You know, good 30-second clap at the end of this spoken word when we mentioned the name Jesus. And I was like, and it's all about the 
the credibility of creating a platform in the mainstream where people go, oh, well, you're opening for Jason Derulo. You can say what you want. So I, I just really, I really, it was something significant that had a big pendulum shift in, in our work to, to push that. And, you know, we're pitching now for, for Little Mix's last tour. You know, we're, we're down to the top two to do that and close out for their, fin- their final tour. And that's sold out in 30 arenas across, the, across Europe as well. And with, with a similar kind of, similar kind of vibe. And I feel like that's, that's really where God's got us. That's the sweet spot, you know, to be right in the mainstream and, and, and a real shining light. And that, that, that to me was um, one of the most significant things that we've done. And when we got to Manchester and we did it, we had a proper lip wobble. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was like a, a real tearjerker for us and, and yeah. London as well, particularly uh, Wembley Arena, where I'd, I'd driven past that pretty much every day of my life. And, um, and it was just, wow, you know, God's really got us in this place to be able to share his, his good news. And it, uh, amazing stories of, of people turning their back on, on self-harm and suicide just from that stuff where we just shared a little bit and just said, go to our mental health resource called I'm Possible, go check it out. And then, you know, you get a little DM from people. We were getting like 100 messages a day on our Instagram just saying, you've changed my life. Thanks so much. It's been amazing. I'd never heard of you. And that was the thing. No one had ever heard of us. Now, as, as, as difficult as, not as difficult, as, as weird as that kind of feels in, in the sort of churchy world, no one had ever heard our name. So they'd never, they'd never even figured it. And, and I, I'm like, we are absolutely brand new little babies. And I said, you know, even though we've been going like eight or nine years, this is our first tour. This is our first ever tour. And people just adhered, they loved it. They kind of fell in, they fell in love with the, with the idea and the vibe and the message of hope. And it just, um, it just sent us on this new trajectory with booking agents and mainstream mm. label, all kinds of stuff. So it's just, you know, yeah, it's broadened oh. broaden their horizon. Just love it, mate. Taking it to the world. You mentioned um, the big church day out. So that's, that gets you in front of the Christian crowd to then get behind. Yeah, there you go. Incidentally, um, back to nephew Will again. He will, William, he will be queuing up to get your autograph as he did a couple oh, of years must, ago. Oh, you must, you must give him, um, give him, like, hook me up with him. Let me, let me take him backstage and meet him and stuff. Oh, mate, you. that'd be so good. He's, he's got photos with you already. So, all right, I'll hold, I'll hold you to that. That's fantastic. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Hey folks, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I'm loving the response we're getting from across the world. It's, it's just wonderful to see how encouraging and inspiring it is being and hitting the spot. Listen, if you are being blessed by it, I'd love it. Basically, this happens under the auspices of our ministry, Great Lakes Outreach, which works in the poorest and the hungriest country in the world, which is Burundi. We're having an incredible impact in the toughest of circumstances. We want to carry on supporting those local folks doing a great job. So if you wanted to, greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired you could make a donation there i'd so appreciate it also it's word of mouth isn't it so gossip this these podcasts to other people get them to subscribe give us a great review absolutely wonderful so grateful to you so that's greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired if you want to do a monthly a couple of quid a month or, or a one-off donation we'd be incredibly grateful all right now let's get back to the podcast The big church day out is, um, you know, with, with the Christian scene, but so much more strategic, isn't it? Getting their backing and then going out into the world. I, I love Absolute, the yeah. behind that. Yeah. Do you, do you feel supported? Um, yeah, yeah, totally. I do. I do. I think it's a, it's, it's a real fine line that we have to walk. So if you go onto our Elsa 7 official Instagram, 
you'll see the message of hope and you'll see the, the kind of like um, we talk about hope and hope has a name and we, we share it in that sense. But I'm also I'm also very, very aware that the gatekeepers at radio and the gatekeepers at booking agents will go will go straight to our social media. As soon as they find out we're churchy in any way, they'll try and see if there's any kind of like if there's too much of that stuff. So we walk a really fine line of it's what we say on the stage in between the songs that directs people to the resources, to Alpha, to AAA Pass. But the social media has to be very kind of like mainstream oriented. And it's obviously got the message of hope and, you know, never give up and keep breathing. Nothing's impossible. And it's all the Bible verses, but it's 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 in a way where a, a radio station like Radio 1 or Capital FM wouldn't shut the door on one of our songs because they think it's it's too much. Does that yeah, make sense? That so totally makes sense. It yeah. keeps the door open. So we walk a really fine line in that. And sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get, well, it's not, we don't really get it wrong because there's not really that much to get wrong. But you might look at it and go, oh, do, are these guys, do, are these guys like a Christian band? Mate, there's nothing more Christian than what we do. You know, you turn up to our show without fail, you're going to hear about Jesus and you're going to be, you're going to have the gospel um, spoken to you in some way. Um, but it's just, it, we, we have to keep that balance really, really like clean with, with those guys and we've had so much success on radio our last single went to number two in the uk dance chart brilliant and it was played on kiss fm and capital fm and all the djs remixed it and it was played in every nightclub up and down the country for six weeks every weekend amen and uh, mate amen and then we did an illuminate tour in manchester just before christmas and this kid this year 10 he walks past me and he goes mate are you lz7 and i said yeah and he goes just heard you on the weekend in in um, Revs de Cuba in, in Preston. And I looked at him and I went, you weren't supposed to be in Revs de Cuba in, in Preston. You underage. And he was like, I know, I was with my brother. He goes, freaking massive, massive song, that Back in Time song, massive. Everybody incidentally, loved- incidentally your, your accents are terrible impersonations. <laughs> Get off, man. My accent's amazing. I've got <laughs> You've been up there 20 years, you still can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he, and he said, um, he said, uh, he said oh, I heard it with my brother and it, it's, amazing amazing tune um everyone was shazamming it and i was like that's it that's exactly what happens people shazam it they find it they, they find us anyway he he, he he sat in the lesson he's down the front bouncing his um his uh his head off when he when, when we when we did the stuff turned up to the show and gave his life to the lord and i'm like that is exactly it now if that was for one kid yeah if that kid had heard us in a nightclub and he turned up to our show because of that one you know not even because of the lesson but because he heard it with his brother that's why we'd push it into every nightclub up and down the country. And it's played, you know, every DJ plays our stuff from Inverness down to Plymouth. Um, and, it, you know, they, they put it in their roster, they put it in their mix. And, you know, it's been sent out by all the top DJs that are remixing it. And it, and it really does, it has a, an effect in building the platform to reach more people. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a, there's so many pieces to the pie. Yeah. Absolutely. And I find myself juggling many plates. Mm. As an evangelist, you know, I, I'm, I, I am an out-and-out evangelist. That's what, I, that's what I am. But I love music and I see the way it connects with young people. And, uh, and, and, and spinning those plates and understanding it all has been a real kind of fast-track learning process for me. But been really interesting and really good, you know, watching the results. Yeah, just wonderful. Uh, during lockdown, our mutual mate, um, Anthony Delaney, uh, got, oh, yeah. a, got a 24-hour preach-a-thon going, didn't he? Where we all had to submit sort of five-minute or 15-minute sections. I saw yeah. yours. And it was you on an airplane. Uh, remember that story? Yeah, um, yeah. So wh- I just thought it was brilliant. And I thought, you know, it's the Avengers heart in you. So, you know, and, and your storytelling was great. So that was a five minute. You don't have to take five minutes on it. But give us that story and the lessons came out of it. Oh, yeah, wicked. I use this story with, um, with our, on our Illuminate tours all the time. 
um, as the gospel response. So we we were um, we were given the opportunity to go and play at ECLA, which is a massive youth conference that happens in Houston um, every other year. And um, it's all the Lutheran churches across the states that fly in for their. For, it's a bit like a bit like a soul survivor, but it's fifty thousand young people, so it's worth going all the way to Houston for. And they do loads of outreach and street projects. Anyway, I flew to Nashville to do a little bit of writing with a friend of mine, and um, I did five days there. And, and then we were flying from Nashville to Houston. And um, I'm not a massive fan of takeoff on a plane. Like, I, I, it's not like I don't like it. It's just it's. The initial bit, I, I, once we're up in here, I'm like, fine. But it feels like there's nothing holding us up when we take off. That's what, <laughs> and I've been, you know, last, the year before lockdown, we did 237 flights. So I have to, Gosh. I have to put up with it. And um, anyway, we're, so we take off and, you know, the rumble and it gets through the clouds and, and the, the thing shakes as you're getting up and it gets up into the, into the clear. And suddenly you're like, you're like on this like level pegging, you know, the, the plane's just, just cruising. And we get up to 37,000 feet. And uh, the, the, the trolley lady comes out and she starts and she gets to row three. And I just sit, and I can see her because I'm waiting for a cup for a, a you know, glass of Coke. And she gets to row three, sticks the brake on, legs it backwards, literally backwards, looking at everyone, sits down, straps herself in and just sits. And I'm like, scan on there. And then and as soon as she's done that, the brakes are on the trolley, the, the plane lurched to the right. So I can see space because I'm right by the window. I'm looking up at like space and this is right at the top altitude. <laughs> and then it lurches to the left and I'm looking at the floor and I'm like, you don't do this at 37,000 feet. Why? What's going on? And I was like, are we, uh, uh, you know, there's loads of tornadoes. So I thought we were trying to divert a storm. And then the, the, the captain comes on and he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, we are going to have to make an emergency landing into Memphis. And you, you can hear everyone go, <gasps> Yeah, this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? And he says, uh, he says, um, when he when you hear the words brace, 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 adopt the position, and I'm like, that feels serious. And then the trolley, the trolley's still there, and obviously the trolley's now tipped upside down because we lurch left and right, and it, so that looks serious. Everything's gone everywhere, and I'm like, oh no. So I've got my headphones on, and and just for about thirty seconds, just after he said it, the plane went into complete weightlessness, and I come floating out of my seat. And I look forward and I'm like, what in the heck is going on? And then as we go into weightlessness, the whole plane is utterly silent. No one has said anything. And everybody's holding onto their seatbelt because you're kind of floating. And then it just like dipped and went and starts belting it towards earth. And it looked like, a, like a, the steepness of a mountain, like that kind of trajectory. And it's, and it's going for it. And I'm like, Aah! my cheeks start going and the mm. guy next to me is, like looking at me and I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then my headphones fell off, my, my you know, the wireless headphones. I headbutted the thing in front of me and, 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 and I'm like, what the world? And I look to my right and my guitarist is looking at me like with his hand out in tears and he's going, help, help. And I'm like, we've got it, we've got it, we're fine, we're fine. He's going, <laughs> my Apple watch, I looked at my watch and my, my heart rate had gone from 80 to 180 in about 30 seconds. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is serious. So we're gunning it and then suddenly the, out from the top, from from the the um, the cases above us, down drop the oxygen masks, and you hear the the, the man the, the uh, pilot come on. And he says, "Ladies and gentlemen, please put your mask on." And and so the guy next to me puts his mask on. The guy behind me puts his mask on. I I sort of just sit there holding my seatbelt. And the thing that that hit me first off was when we were in weightlessness, the whole place was silent. But when we started to descend, everybody started to scream like. I mean, like brain curdling screams, 
hell are this? And the guy behind me is going, God, God, help me, help me. Guy next to me is going, Jesus Christ, oh my God. Like this. And, and the pilot says, it's going to hurt your chest, it's going to hurt your head because we've got to get on the ground. And my ears are hurting. The guy behind me is going, my ears, my ears. And I turn around to him and I said, and I shouted, love God's out there, we've got this. And I'm shouting at him like, we've got this. And in, in the whole time, this oxygen mask is in front of me, like in the wind. And I'm, and I'm looking at the thing, and I, and I literally was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Everybody's screaming. Everybody's praying. Everybody's mm. screaming out. And, and I'm looking, and I'm looking at the oxygen mask, and it's like there. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? So I reach out. And it's about two minutes in, and I grab it, and I pulled it. And the way the oxygen mask works, you know this, Simon, is that you pull it to start the flow of oxygen. Put it on your mouth, and then you can breathe, right? So I grab it, pull it, and I put it on. And, I, and I'm there, and I'm like three minutes late, and we're still like at this trajectory, going like heading down. And get through the clouds and then as we go through the clouds the whole plane fills with smoke so you can't see a thing i can't look out the window i'm trying to see if there's a if there's a um an engine on fire i'm trying to work out what's going on and you know that's when i really panicked and i, and I mm. grabbed my shoulders to myself and i went oh god uh if this is it uh, it feels like it's it I'm, I'm so sorry for everything that i've done thank you that you love me but please make this really quick just gone just bang gone and look after Lucy and, and Jack, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. And I prayed what I would say was my last prayer. And it's just full of smoke and I can't see anything. And it's just, and you hear this brace, brace, brace. So I put my hands up, put my head against the thing, and then bang, we hit the deck. And it's bouncing down the runway. And I'm, you know, it's skidding and it's moving. And because there's smoke, everybody's disorientated. Everybody's screaming their heads off. And we come off the plane, walk down the gangplank, and everybody's sort of sat outside. And they're just silent. Like, they're just nothing to say. And um, the pilot comes off and he says, look, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so sorry. He said, uh, it was, I've never had that in my 20 years of, of flying, um, but the, the plane depressurized at 37,000 feet. That means something had pierced the fuselage of the plane. Wow. So basically it was sucking in, or all the air was going out, and I had to get us below 10,000 feet before everybody passed out from no oxygen. Because if everybody passes out, I pass out, mm. and then the plane crashes. And he said, so we had to get down and we had to get on the ground as soon as possible. And I, and I had these two thoughts. And I just thought, the first one, when it hits the fan and you think it's game over and you think you're going to die and you think that, that something tragic is going to happen, why in the world did everybody pray? Mm. And I share this with young people and I'm like, it's because there's a God-shaped hole inside of everybody that you want to fill with everything else in the world, but it's actually a God-shaped hole that you can only fill with God. So when you think it's all over, and why, you know, why if, if you're walking around the house and, and you stub your toe, why is the, why is the word, first words that come out of your mouth? Oh, my God. Just start, you know, that hurts so much. Why does that come out? It's because it's intrinsic. God is intrinsically there. And he says he knocks on the door of your heart and he's waiting for you to answer. And why did everybody pray? Because they wanted to know that when it came to an end, there was something more to life than just this. Mm. There is something more to life than just this. God's got a plan for your life. And I share that, you know, heaven, when you come to an end, you've got a hope, you've got a future. And then I said... The second thing is, what, why did it take me three minutes looking at the lifeline? The one thing that was going to save me, why did it take me three minutes to put it on my face? I'm just stood there staring at it like it's dangling in the wind, you know, the oxygen. And for me to really live, I had to, put the, I had to grab it, but it was my choice. I had to grab it and pull it towards me. Well, in yeah. a similar way, for you to really live, you've got to put Jesus in the driving seat of your life. You know, what he did on the cross when he died for all the wrong things you've ever thought, said and done. He said these three words, it is finished. That is really living. That's like putting on the oxygen mask, taking a deep breath and not just existing, but breathing deeply because it's the only thing that will save you. And it's the only thing that gives you that right to heaven. And literally, I'll share that story like 
week in, week out in, in schools and in, in the Illuminate shows. And kids are, they give their life to Jesus because they hear it in a way where they're going, oh my gosh, of course, I'm filling my life full of drugs or I'm filling my life full of self-harm or drink or I'm filling my life with um, social media, negative words. And actually that hole is a God-shaped hole. And what Jesus did on the cross to come and fill that hole when he, when he crossed the divide, it just speaks volumes to them. And I share that story to to tens of thousands of young people in the last you know two years and and we've seen a, a, an insane response to to the gospel and on the last friday of the manchester illuminate tour just gone we're in uh salford city academy and um i'm going to change his name because just in case there's someone listening but this little kid called uh, john is in bits at the end of the lesson like crying his eyes out he's a small short lad with, with red hair and um and i walked over to him and i, and I kind of put my arm in him i was like you're right bro and he says no no he says uh I was going to give up on life tonight. And I was like, oh, bro, never, ever give up. And he goes, no, no, I'm not going to because of what you just told me. And mm. I've got hope and a future and a destiny. And, and she's in a class and his teachers, and, I, and I'm looking at teachers, you know, beckoning them over. And I said, and I had about three minutes with him. I said, look, people care for you. I care for you. God cares for you. That story I just shared with you about Jesus, that he fully cares for you. He wants you to live the, the best life that you can with him in the driving seat. Never give up. And he goes, I oh, know I'm just on the receiving end of so much jip, so much mouth from 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 people in the class and people bully me so hard for being redheaded and, and short and, and yada yada. And he said, I, I just, I thought for that to disappear, the only way for that to disappear was if I disappeared. And I was like, never give up, bro. I'll tell you what, look, here's a free ticket. Come down to the show, right? As I gave him the free ticket, this taller girl, he's probably about a foot taller than him. She comes walking over and they'd all walked out of the class, all the class left and she comes back into the class and she comes up to John and she puts her arm around him. She goes, John, I'm so sorry for giving you so much abuse. Mm. I'm really sorry that I've been that kid. And I'm like, what? And, I, you know, I get the, ball of, uh, the, the, the golf ball in the back of my throat, like choking up. And I'm like, Ugh. and I said to her, I said, hey, here's a free ticket for you. Why don't you come down to the show tonight? She's like, no, I will, will. Uh, John, do you want to come with me? And I'm, and I'm like, this is, this is wicked. <laughs> anyway, front row, Friday mm -hmm. night, December 10th, just before Christmas. Little Johnny's got his arm over the crowd barrier because he's not tall enough to get over the top. And he's got mm -hmm. his chin on the crowd barrier. Next to him is a red-headed girl. And they both responded to the gospel. And they both gave their lives to Jesus. And then we did a follow-up event on the Sunday back at the church, back at Audacious. And they both came down. And it was just, that's the power of the gospel. You know, that story, you can, you can tell that story to you, blue in the face. And I told that story so many times. But that's the power of what Jesus does through through the stuff that, that, that we do that transforms little lives in a year seven. And it's just, it blows my mind. Like it humbles me so hard that God would use someone, you know, use us to, to reach kids like him. Yeah. There's the story. <laughs> oh, Linz. Um, listen, oh, I know there's loads more to share and, um, and yet times run out. There, are there just a few things? Well, in terms of people, uh, tracking with you, supporting you, um, you mentioned the AAA pass, anything else before we close that you want to quickly mention? Yeah. So we've got a mental health resource called I'm Possible. It's a play on, on the word impossible. And, um, it's me, um, some of the guys in LZ7, uh, Saints, the new band and a, a mate of ours called Jake Isaac, all sharing our stories about, everything from low mood all the way through to depression, but also linking them to Christian resources, NHS, Samaritans, anything that will help young people get well. Mm -hmm. And um, if anyone's battling with any of the stuff that we've shared on this story or um, on the podcast, sorry, um, please go and check it out. It's, I'm, I'm, it's, it's www.impossible.uk.com. So if you want to go and check that out, you can, you can, you know, you can watch some of the stuff and, and get linked with some help, but man, sign up on our mailing list, go onto our website. We'd love to update you 
keep you up to date on what we're doing, what's going on, what church we're playing at or what venue we're doing or what tour we're on. And just some of the great stories, we share them to on, on email on a, a kind of bi-weekly basis of stories, stories of faith and, and amazing things that God's been doing in, in young people's lives. So support us that way. Pray for us. Obviously, we 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 are, I call ourselves musicianaries. So we are um, funded. Um, there's some amazing people that will fund us £2.50 a month all the way through to £250 a month. Mm-hmm. And then there's some trusts that give us money and that's how we survive. You know, the music, as you know, with any mainstream music, it doesn't pay um, being a, being an artist. So, um, people sponsor the Illuminate tour. So if you feel like you want to sponsor one of them or sponsor a child, or, you know, you want us to come to your town, hit us up. I'd love, I'd love you guys to get involved in the journey with us. And so that would be LZ7. If you go to lz7.co.uk or you go to light.uk.com, you'll find all the giving pages and, and get involved and all that kind of stuff. Brilliant. That'd be awesome. Well, listen, mate. Let's 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 all of us listeners. Let's pray for Lindsay and 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 uh, LZ Seven now. Father God, thank you for this fantastically encouraging podcast. Indeed, what it says on the tin. I'm I'm inspired right now, listening, Lord, and and we pray your blessing on Linz, on his family, on the band, on all their travels, on every single school, every single venue they'll be speaking at in the coming season. Thank you for past fruit, Lord God. We pray that you'll, you'll fan it into flames in terms of it going even bigger and greater access, Lord, breakthroughs in, in the secular space. Lord, more people coming to know you in, in nightclubs, wherever you take them, Lord. Keep them safe, keep them strong in you, keep them united, keep them close to your heart. And we bless them at every level, provision all they need in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Linz, it's been such a treat. Thanks so much. Mate, thanks so much for having us, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely brilliant. Well, listen, folks, I hope you have been inspired. You don't have to bear the heart stone to not be inspired. Uh, join us again <laughs> next week uh, for another fantastic guest. If you want to be in touch with me, simongilbo.com. I'd love it if you gave us a top quality review on uh, iTunes, Spotify. That just means the algorithm pushed more people our way so that more people get to hear good news of triumphant faith amidst adversity in these in these difficult times. Thanks to Adam Thomas Steer and uh, Mike Sanderman for both helping in this and uh, I'll see you next time. All right, toodaloo.